Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, James Bell. Welcome to episode five of the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, James Bell. And this season, we're diving into the outdoor recreation industry here in Bentonville. And today, my guest is Nick Alano, co-founder and CEO of American Hunt. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You bet. Okay, we're going to softball this first question. Tell our viewers what you'd like them to know about you. Well, I grew up on the West Coast. I was living the stereotypical California lifestyle, especially in my late teens. I was always at the beach in the summer, and then I was always trying to get in the mountains during the winter. So I've always had an appreciation for the outdoors. Um, Living that life, though, isn't really great for a career, though. So I I always kind of told myself, I gave myself uh, an excuse. I said, as long as I'm a teenager, I could keep living like this. But then I turned 20 years old. And uh, when that happened, I decided to do something with, with myself. So I moved to Seattle and I went to commercial dive school. And then shortly after, I moved to South Louisiana to work in the oil field. And then uh, the BP oil spill hit, and that really affected things, especially for the third-party type of work. So I was trying to figure out how to make my house note. And uh, I I went up to uh, visit my girlfriend over the Christmas break, and uh, I was dropping her off at a coffee shop every morning so she could go to work. And then I'd borrow her car, and I drove to Seattle Harbor. And then I was trying to get a job on a crab boat. I I eventually got that job. And um, my job was to break ice in the Bering Sea for the deadliest catch chase boat. So I wasn't actually on the show. I was just the guy that was the most miserable person in the entire fleet. Um, but But I was able to make my house note. And then that's when I realized physical labor is not for me, especially if I'm trying to make six figures. So I went back to school in South Louisiana. And uh, I was going to ULL and then I went back to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Uh, that, that was my college job. And uh, that's when I learned that there has to be something in Northwest Arkansas other than just camping because there was a Ruth's up here. And then uh, my girlfriend and I, we, we looked at this place on paper. Everything was perfect. I sold my house. We moved up here and never looked back. And that was a great uh, that was a great story. Lots of twists and turns. Uh, glad to hear that. This is the first time I've actually uh, heard your story about how you got here. Um, so you discovered Northwest Arkansas through Ruth Chris. Came up here. Uh, what's so special about this place that keeps you here? So actually, I discovered there's something going on up here, other than than camping and, and hiking and fishing. Got it. The way we actually discovered it was uh, we were looking for a vacation destination. And when we were living in South Louisiana, we just wanted to get out of the humidity. And we were looking for a cabin with a hot tub. And that just was not available in South Louisiana. So we discovered Eureka Springs. I don't remember if it was late October or early November, but we showed up. It was the middle of the bloom. We had crisp mornings and we just fell in love with Eureka. And that was our vacation destination. And then when I was working at Roos Chris, that's when I saw a little star in Northwest Arkansas. And I remember thinking there's gotta be something else going on. Um, so that's, that's how we actually discovered it. it was because of Eureka Springs. We started to, to dive a little deeper after we saw that there has to be something to support a restaurant like that. Um, anyway, what keeps us here is everything. This is hands down the best place I've ever lived. Uh, We have four moderate seasons. So by the time you're sick of one season, you have a new season rolling around. 
I, I love that. Um, there's a culture here. That's like something I've never experienced. You have a blending of, you have the, the old school Arkansas kind of Ozarkin mentality where it's almost self-sufficient, humble, neighborly, hardworking. And I love that. But then you also have these people that are moving for opportunity. They're moving here for work. And uh, there's something to be said for that. And then on top of that, you also have the college town from Fayetteville. So you almost have that funky kind of hipster vibe. And that, that blending of cultures creates a really unique atmosphere, which is a, just a fantastic place to, uh, to live. That's really cool. I've, I've heard it described as all the culture of the South, all the entrepreneurial spirit of the West, and all the good sense of the Midwest. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but uh, it's, it's a pretty cool culture. I do have to tell you, I lived in uh, South Louisiana for a little bit. I lived in New Orleans for three and a half years. And if your idea of a good time is waking up every morning and shoving your head in a hot bucket of water, weather's perfect for you. That's right. That's right. The food is incredible though. Yes. And South Louisiana, if you like to party, that is the place to be a hundred percent. But then uh, also, and then back to Northwest Arkansas, when I was driving over here, I wasn't sure if we're in the South or the Midwest, because technically I think we're in the high South, but then it doesn't feel like the South too much to me. But then at the same time, it doesn't necessarily feel like the Midwest. Uh, Northwest Arkansas is just a really unique place. It's also probably the safest place that I've ever lived. Um, and there's something to be said for that. I, I just love it. I can't say enough good things about it. Fantastic. Uh, tell us about American Hunt. So we are a two-sided marketplace. And our goal is to stimulate rural economies by providing access to the outdoors. Um, essentially, really what we're trying to do is we're providing day leases to land. The reason why is because most people don't own their own land and they can't afford to. Um, if you want to go hunting or do some type of outdoor activity and you don't own land, you have two options. You can do a season-long lease, which has an implied financial and time commitment. And that doesn't make sense for most people, especially if they only want to do it once or twice because of that, that financial and time commitment. Like why rent an entire season when you only want to go one or two days? But then if you have one or two kids and you're working 40 or 50 hours a week, completely out of the picture. And then if you are using public land, public land isn't always available. And when it is available, it tends to have additional regulations. It can be pressured and uh, that can actually be a, be a turnoff for some people as well. So by applying the quote Airbnb business model to land rentals, it's a win-win for everybody. There's a lot of people that live in rural areas and they, they do have extra land and they can now cash flow it. But how would they do that without a platform like ours? That's pretty neat. I remember uh, growing up, my dad and I would go hunting a lot. And if it wasn't uh, in North Central Arkansas, where he grew up near my grandmother's place, uh, we were always going somewhere else. And oftentimes it wasn't public land. And so we'd have to go seek out landowners and ask them if we could use their land. And sometimes they said yes, sometimes they said no. But I remember just that seemed like a, a pretty big pain point. Uh, even then. So I, I would agree with you. The days of door knocking, I think are over. And uh, 
almost cold calling to, to use mm-hmm. land. A lot of people hate cold calling for sales in, in the first place, let alone something like that. Um, so with a platform like ours, people, they could just come on and they don't have to worry about that. They just book and go. And, and that, that's, that's really convenient. And a lot of people seem to like that. Sounds very convenient. Uh, you mentioned a word a moment ago that our listeners may not be uh, familiar with. I think I know what you mean, but what did you mean by uh, the animals are pressured? So pressured, uh, usually it's, it's in places where there's a lot of hunting going on. And that's why it can happen um, on public land more so than private land, because there's so many people that are there to hunt that specific species. And uh, basically, they know they're being hunted. So they're going to change their, their, uh, their habits. They're going to change how they're moving. They may start doing more things at night. Um, or they just may be a lot more skittish, making it a lot more difficult. And I always thought I was just a bad hunter. Turns out the animals are smarter than me. Hey, they, they, they are around for a reason. They've evolved for millions of years to uh, avoid predators. You bet. Hey, um, how did you come up with this idea for American Hunt? What, I guess, what was the impetus for it? And why at this time and place are you building the company? So when I moved to South Louisiana, I was really excited because I thought I was going to get to go duck hunting. It's mm-hmm. sportsman's paradise. It says it on the license plate. And I had all my gear. I had the licenses. And then I just couldn't afford it. Um, a, I couldn't find anywhere to go. And then when I was able to find places to go, it was generally a hunting club. And then it, it would cost me $4,000 just to, just to go. And then I only wanted to go one or two days a season anyway. So I wasn't able to, to go duck hunting. And that's what really got the ball rolling. And then after I, I moved to Northwest Arkansas, I was lucky enough to have a friend teach me how to bow hunt. And it was the same deal. I had the gear, I had the bow, I had a rudimentary knowledge of how to do it, but then where do you go? And then another person essentially told me to poach. Um, He didn't say it like that, but he said, drive down the road, find a good spot, throw up a tree stand, and that's, that's where you go hunting. So I ended up doing that and I'm sitting in this tree and I'm feeling incredibly vulnerable and I'm thinking... I'm pretty sure this is illegal. Pretty sure I'm poaching. So I got out of the tree. I never did it again. And I started looking for, for a tech solution and there just wasn't one. And that's when I reached out to one of my business partners who was uh, working at another startup at the time, kind of pitched him the idea. We decided to build a static website. We presented it as if it was automated and we just went from there and started to pick up some traction we had a guy on the outskirts of Rogers. He was making about 500 bucks a year with one tree stand on five acres. We also had a lady, um, she had 20 acres right outside a mountain home with a spring-fed pond. And uh, it was pretty tragic. She, she lost her husband and she was also on disability. And the problem with disability is you can't, um, you can't work. They, they actually deduct that from your disability mm-hmm. check. I didn't know that at the time, but you can make passive income. So at the time we were still new and I wish we were able to, to make more for her at the time, but we did prove that you can make something with, with your land and you can improve your life with it. It's really interesting. I, I didn't know that if you were on disability that you could create passive income and that that was okay. So you're really opening up some opportunities for folks. 
that's our goal. We're trying to create win-win situations for literally everybody. There's a, uh, there's a lot of people in rural areas that have land, but they don't really do anything with it. And we're trying to make it easy for them to cash flow that. And then there's also a lot of people that have interest in outdoor activities. We're not just a hunting platform. There's ATV off-roading, fishing, hunting, horseback riding. Um, we have an other category. So if you think your land is suitable for any outdoor activity, you, uh, you're more than welcome to put it on American Hunt. And then you have these people that do live in neighborhoods, that do live in a, a matchbox house or, or whatever it may be. And they do want to go experience things, but they're limited by access. And we're trying to open that up to them in an affordable way. Nice. Um, are there other businesses like yours? There are. Um, the, the, the sharing economy it's starting to gain traction. You have Uber, you have Airbnb, but what Airbnb doesn't do is anything that has to do with hunting. And half the country is, is into hunting in a big way. Hunting is also really important because, because each area of land has carrying capacity. And basically what that means is it could support so much life. And we don't really have apex predators anymore, meaning wolves and bears and things like that. So humans need to fill that role in order to keep a healthy ecosystem. And um, once again, hunting, hunting is huge for uh, a, a lot of people in America. That's nice. Um, so American Hunt is part of the inaugural cohort of the Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program through the University of Arkansas. Uh, in fact, we had uh, Phil Shellhammer, the director of, uh, we'll call it GORP, on the program in the very first episode. And uh, he talked about why companies and entrepreneurs should want to come to GORP, but also know that's a very individual decision. Why did uh, you choose to join GORP with American Hunt and bring the company through the program? Well, it seemed like a perfect fit. Um, once we learned about GORP and what, the, what they were trying to do, it made complete sense for us. Then I reached out to both Phil and Toby, and I talked to, to each one of them individually. They were both great guys. Um, they both understood what we were doing, and we were encouraged to apply. So we did. And then it's been nothing but a positive experience. Awesome. So when you joined the program, what was it that you were expecting to get out of it? Well, th th there's the things that were stated so you were, we were going to get a, a paid intern, which is, which is huge. We we're going to get access to mentors, which is awesome. And then uh, we were going to get a little bit of non-diluting non uh, seed round money, which, is, which was huge for us. Um, it seems like every other incubator wants a piece of the pie, and they did not, which was really cool. And that also kind of goes to show Bentonville culture. This is an area where a lot of people, they just want to help. People ask you, how can I help? And they, they genuinely mean it. They don't necessarily want something from you. They just want to help you and they want to see you succeed. Um, but getting back to Corp, th those were the stated things that we expected. We didn't really know what else to expect. We just knew we wanted to give it a try and see what's going to happen. Um, talking to the, to the mentors, we've gotten a lot from them. They've been open books for us and... Really looking forward to finishing up the program. Cool. Um, so, how has uh, 
American Hunt changed, if any, since the program began. And having run accelerator programs uh, in in my past life and mentored a lot of companies, hundreds of companies, um, I know that this process of going through an incubator and accelerator is every bit as much a personal one as it is a a business one. So how have you personally changed as well, whether in thought or any other way? From a business standpoint, Phil, he is huge on customer discovery. And he wants you to get out there and talk to who your customers are and just have open-ended conversations with them. Um, Find out what they actually need um, because you may or may not have a solution for them. And through the customer discovery process, we actually found that some of the more high-end guides don't necessarily need a service for ours. As in, I shouldn't say high-end, some of the, the guides that do really exclusive hunts, something that's like forty dollars or $50,000 where they only do five a year, they may not need our service. But if you have a guide that does fishing trips almost every day of the year, they can help or we can help them with exposure. Uh, we, we, we learned a lot through that process um, and we're continuing to learn. The customer discovery hasn't stopped and I don't think it ever will stop. We're going to continue to ask people what their pain points are in the outdoor world and we're going to continue to try to solve them. Great. So did you discover these um, uh, this opportunity with guides as a potential channel during the program? We did not. So when we first started American Hunt, it was initially just for land. But then we we started to see that the the guided service industry, it's fairly archaic. Um, A lot of hunting and fishing guides are really good at getting outdoors. But when it comes to marketing, when it comes to to payments and things like that, a lot of them are a a little behind the curve. Not all, obviously. But it seems like a lot of hunting and fishing guides are limited to a local network. And uh, a lot of them still take cash in hand deals. And there's nothing wrong with a cash in hand deal. But if you have a seasonal business, and let's say you're a fishing guide and you have a, a short season, someone cancels on you one or two days before, you just lost a day of work. So we're trying to help protect them from a situation like that by taking payments upfront digitally and then guaranteeing the payment. And then we're also trying to put them on a national platform. So if someone is, say, visiting Arkansas or Northwest Arkansas, they can find these fishing guides and then they're not just limited to a, to the first one or two pages of a Google search. Great. Um, what's your biggest epiphany since joining GORP? The customer discovery, I, I wouldn't call it an epiphany, but I've learned how huge it is to just get out there and you need to talk to people. You have to talk to who your potential customers are. And for us, that's a lot of people because we're a two-sided marketplace. We need to talk to landowners We need to talk to guided services and then we need to talk to the people that may end up booking that land or booking with those guides. So we have a lot of people to talk to and there's a lot of learning that, that, that goes with that. Um, So I I don't, I don't know if I would call it, call it quite an epiphany, but that's, that's our biggest takeaway as of right now. Yeah. So um, what's the best advice that you could offer for somebody who's considering a program like GORP or considering GORP itself? It's a short program and hit the ground running. Take advantage of every opportunity that you have while you're there because time is ticking. I mean, 
I, I feel like Gorp started yesterday and there's so many more things that I want to do with Gorp. There's so many more people I want to talk to through Gorp. Um, so just take advantage of that opportunity and don't let any day go to waste. It's a good thing. There's still support from the program after you're done with the acceleration part of it. Yeah. Um, so why should outdoor recreation companies and their leaders care about Northwest Arkansas? Well, first of all, there, there's the culture that I already mentioned. And I, I think any company should, should be mindful of that. Um, but then also Northwest Arkansas, we have a lot of space. There's a lot of other places that might have an REI or something like that. But then where do you go? You have to drive two hours to, to get somewhere to use that stuff. Northwest Arkansas, you drive 15 minutes east or west. And next thing you know, you're in pristine wilderness. We have, we have one of the cleanest rivers in the country. We have the first national river. We have float trips. We have mountain biking. We have road biking. We have um, hiking, camping, fishing. We literally have everything here. And everything's relatively affordable. So you've started leaning into really my next question, which is if a business, an outdoor rec business, doesn't have a presence here uh, currently, maybe they have a substantial presence elsewhere, um, perhaps on one of the coasts or uh, out west, how they, should they be thinking about their presence in Bentonville, whether they should be here? I think the tide is rising in Bentonville, and there's, there's a variety of factors that are contributing to that. And I, th- I think it would be a good idea to get in ahead of that wave so, so you can actually ride it. Let's get back to American Hunt. What's next for you and the company, and how can our viewers help you succeed? Well, we're still working with GORP, and uh, we plan on, on, on graduating that program. Right now, we are trying to get as many properties and services on as possible, um, especially for the, for the Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri areas. Um, but pretty much anywhere, we, we have the ability to, to, get on, to um, host someone on the platform. Um, if someone would like to work with us, whether you want to partner with us as a guide or just be a landowner and see if you could cash flow your property. We are, we are actively looking for that right now. You can actually go onto our website and um, my Calendly is actually hooked up to it. And I can kind of concierge you through that process if, if you need help getting onto the platform. Great. What's your website? Americanhunt.com. Pretty straightforward. Uh, before I hit you with uh, one final question, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask? That's a tough one. I think I just answered that with the previous answer. Um, I, I, I think we're pretty much good to go. Awesome. All right. I have one I totally didn't prepare you for. This is my out of left field, might make you think a moment question. If you had a superpower, but that superpower had a limitation what superpower would you like it to be? And I'll give you an example. Uh, mine could be if I'm watching a sporting event on TV, perhaps a football game, and I really would like to be right there in the crowd. I can pick up my remote, press the button, transports me in. Uh, but the limitation would be I had to take somebody with me who hated sports. What would yours be? If I had the ability to clear the road whenever I'm driving so I didn't have to deal with traffic... It would be awesome. But then the limiting side of that would be every time I drove with my mom, she would yell at me. And then it may be a little dangerous 
because I'd probably get a little, uh, little ahead of my skis and I'd probably be driving way too fast. It's a great superpower. <laughs> Nick, thanks for spending time with us today on the Bentonville Beacon podcast. Really appreciate it. I know our viewers enjoyed listening to your uh, story. And hey, if you like what you heard today and would like to learn more about Bentonville and its businesses, uh, visit us at BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com and uh, check out Bentonville, a place where you get more of what you want, less of what you don't. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon podcast. We hope to see you next week.